Are you ready? Are you ready for September? 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 Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership with Phelps Game Calls and Spree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode, the August installment of School of September, and I have to just quickly apologize in advance for missing July. Uh, guys, summer went from zero to 60 on me, and the guests that I had lined up for the uh, for the July installment of School of September, it just didn't pan out, so I really, really apologize about uh, missing July, but what I'm planning to do is is uh, maybe release a couple of them this month, uh, if I can make that happen. So, uh, back by popular demand this week, and for this installment, we've got Joel Turner of Shot IQ. He was a fan favorite from last year's series, and we got a ton of messages and requests to get him back on the show. So, honored to have him, Joel. I appreciate you being here, brother. Thanks for having me, bud. So, I mean, first things first, man, since last time we spoke, you retired. How is that going? <laughs> it's really good. Uh, is it? Highly, re- highly recommend it. You highly recommend <laughs> So you're like, you're a pretty young guy to be retired, man. Yeah, I'm 46 now. So Sweet. Uh, as soon as I got my 20.58 years in as a cop, uh, and then with Bodie Wynn in Vegas, it really catapulted Shot IQ through the roof, so... I decided oh, to pull yeah. the pin, pull the pin on the cop work, and just uh, focus on Shot IQ. And it's been—I mean, people say they're living the dream, and I can—I uh, can truly say now that I am living the dream. You know, that's an interesting thing too, because I know that when you're a cop, and I've never been a cop, so I can't—I can't speak super intelligently about it. But I imagine that there is a big part of that that is—it's—it's it's not like a daily grind. It's a passion. It's a calling. Uh, it's it's a service that you feel uh, uh, having like this duty to to do. So re- like I think of my day job is kind of a drag, and so I'd love to retire from it, right? <laughs> yeah. It was it like that as a cop, or is it, it was it just something where it was like, okay, I'm I'm sick of doing this. I'm I'm sick of kicking in doors and writing speeding tickets and everything else you guys do. Um, and and a relief in that sense, or is it just now you're you're enjoying this uh, with shot IQ and everything else going on? Well, I truly, I mean, I enjoyed being a police officer and serving the community and being a sergeant and supervising people and just solving problems. But mm-hmm. I never let that identify me. Yeah, like I always had shooting and hunting in the background and. 
being a cop was basically my determination well. I mean, I was on the SWAT team for 19 years, ended up being the team leader on the team. I truly missed that end of it. But the daily patrol end of it and dealing with uh, some of the funnest people in the world, I guess, you could <laughs> uh that that got that got old and then things in washington really changed for the worse for cops and mm-hmm. and you really weren't allowed to do your job and it, and that's not why i left i left because i could and i'm i'm so blessed to be able to do that you know i've been doing shot iq since 2016 and and it's done well but now it's just the word is out the proof is in the pudding it's basically a revolution because it's a change in thinking yeah. in the whole hunting space, shooting space, all of those things. And people are starting to realize that. So it's, uh, it's very exciting. It, it fascinates me every day, how your mind works in shooting in hunting. And, uh, I just, I am literally living the dream. It's got to be, and it, I, so for that, man, congratulations. I, I was uh, I was super pumped for you, um, and especially because you'd mentioned now is Bodie your son? Yeah, and mm-hmm. he he won down in Vegas. That was an archery competition. Yeah, that's the biggest indoor archery competition in the world. That's what I okay. That's what I thought. And so you can won. tell, and yeah. I've explained this a million times. Like I I am an archery hunter through and through, but I'm not like a big time I, outside of hunting. It's not my hobby. Does that make sense? And there's uh-huh. a lot of sure. there's a lot of hunters that double that up. So that's that's why I didn't know that. But um, that and also I wanted to explain that because you're like, oh yeah, I retired because Bodie won in Vegas. I want <laughs> maybe somebody hit it big at the casino. <laughs> well, I mean, at 15 years old, he won in the in the adult pro division. So, God, it's, that's incredible, uh, man. Yeah, How I mean, cool he he walked, he walked away with with uh, over 70 grand. What? Deal. Oh yeah, as Dude. a 15 year old, <laughs> right? So it's uh, it's pretty pretty impressive, and he continues to just shine. Uh, he won he won outdoor field nationals a couple weeks ago and uh in the professional division so at 15 years old he's he's taken the world by storm and it's it's just incredible to see gosh man yeah no kidding that's awesome that's great yeah. um that uh, i'd have been in trouble if i had 70 grand when i was 15 <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to uh just in case somebody if if uh, they don't know which they mm-hmm. should kind of give us the uh, overview of of shot iq Okay. And and because I want to I want to give listeners kind of my take because I've gone through much of the course a lot of the course and I've gone through both both your online course and the stuff that you added to the Elk Collective uh, mm-hmm. and so kind of explain what you, what you or how you perceive Shot IQ and what it does for people. Well, Shot IQ was basically it's it's the science of the mind and how it works in shooting. And this is a, it's a skill set that has evaded mankind forever. I mean, there have been good shooters, Mm -hmm. but they could never explain how they did what they did. And I was not one of those good shooters. I was wrought with target panic, shot anticipation, punching triggers on rifles through my teenage years and through young adulthood and all those things. And I had to figure it out. And you know, I became a cop in 2001, and being a police officer really deepened my determination well because I 
I could not screw that up, mm-hmm. right? I could not screw up that shot, but bow hunting and archery was always my sounding board. And it was failure after failure after failure. But my determination well in the tactical world led me down paths of research. Like, I've got to figure this out. How am I going to get myself to control a trigger in a high-stress tactical event? And then once I figured out for myself, how do I transfer that information to somebody else? And so this whole Shot IQ thing was born in the firearms world but archery was always the sounding board. So I took the concepts and the sciences that I learned and meshed them with my experience. And I put those toward my archery and I started to gain control and I had a few successes. And then over many, many failures, I was starting to really realize how do, how does your mind actually work? And, you know, going down the right paths of research. And so now it's not a mystery. Yeah. It's no longer a mystery how, you know, Joe Bowhunter that's super successful, it's not a mystery how they do what they do anymore. And for those people that are that are super successful, I simply give them a blueprint so that they understand how they do what they do so that they can repeat it every yeah. time. No matter As, what. I was going to say, because you, you cannot replicate what you don't know. And right. I think that that's the key, um, you know. From from my perspective, man, um, I I think I told you this last time you were on the show, but uh, you know I I'm a third award expert rifleman from out of the Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shot all the time, right? And and it it was hard for me to to score that high on, on the mm-hmm. range. These were the uh, the the old M16A2 service rifles, open sights, you know, and you had to you had to shoot every, everything from 100 yards up to 500 mm-hmm. yards, right? And and I would do pretty well until about that 500 yard line, and mm. and that's where my my score would really go down. And so I guess what I'm saying is, like I I grew up hunting, I grew up uh, shooting, uh, I I joined the military. Uh, you know, I, I was a combat marine, and and I still uh, get target pan- panic, or not target. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get I I do the trigger punch like crazy, and I, I have done it, and and it's like man. You know, I, I look at that and it's like shameful. I, I feel like, man, I've, I've got all this experience, I've got all this training, but I'm still screwing up my shots. And I've screwed right. up shots with my bow, and I've mm-hmm. gotten target panic with my bow, and I've done my uh, trigger punches with the bow. And mm-hmm. when when you and I first talked last year, and I I went through most of your course, uh, I went through the videos on that you you added to the Elk Collective. Um, there there is, I guess, what I want listeners to know is. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. If you go through the course, it's going to improve you, your shooting skills in a way that you will never – I can't explain it to you. You have to, <laughs> you have to go through the course to understand. It's like – it's not like, oh, here's how you uh, aim better. Here's how you hold uh, better control of the weapon. Here, here's how you – you know, sh- sight picture, sight whatever. Uh, uh-huh. It's not like that, and so one of the one of the ways I did explain I explained it to somebody recently that is like on the Elk Collective you have this video where you you hand out all these uh, th- this paper to everybody in this course right? <laughs> right, and and there's these two lines or whatever and they have to write their name in cursive, mm-hmm. and and you go through and like nobody passes the first time because they go oh. you, you have specific instructions you cannot take the pen or right. the, the ink up past the top line and 
below the bottom line, and everybody was screwing it up, right? It was just a shit show. And everybody's, like, kind of getting frustrated, but you're like, nope, do it again, nope, do it again. And it was this this attention to detail and this this extreme level of focus is, I th- is what I took as what you were trying to get. Can you explain that? Well, some of what you're talking about is secret. <laughs> oh, is this? I'm not supposed to say it. No, it's it's good, but the signature test is one thing that I don't usually reveal because it it's the basis of the science of open and closed loop control systems, and an open loop control system is is a a system that governs most of your movements. It's used for any movements that are too fast for you to stop or modify, like swinging a baseball bat. Right, you don't want to stop that in the middle. Yeah, but it becomes an automatic movement. So. When somebody goes and buys a bow and they're handed a release aid, let's say they shoot a compound, they're handed a release aid and they go to the range, okay, draw back, put your pin on a target, and then press the trigger as slow as you can. And they equate it to a rifle trigger, but it's completely different because now with a bow, your body's in tension. So they start working this trigger, right, and it gets faster you, and faster. Well, I, just, just for clarification, uh, clarification, Joey, what you mean by body's intention is is you're you're pulling a string back and holding the bow, right? And, and you're, holding, you're holding the bow apart, whereas in a firearm you're not. Yeah. Okay. Right? You're okay. simply holding a firearm up. So your mind wants to push you toward open loop control systems. It wants to push you toward a trigger movement that's so fast you can't stop it, because when it does that, when it can do an open loop motor program. On the trigger, it can also link pre-ignition movements, those flinches that happen, right? Mm-hmm. It link, it's free to link those other muscle contractions to your trigger. That is what deviates the point of impact. So you've seen it in firearms all the time when you have your hand in a firearm with maybe a dummy round or the safety still on. And then you get to see when they punch the trigger, you get to see all the pre-ignition movements that are linked to the trigger motor program. But with knowledge and science and understanding how it works, you start to use the other control system, which is a closed-loop control system, which means it's slow enough you can stop it. I mean, I'm sure in the Marine Corps you were taught a perfect trigger press, right? An increase of pressure until the rifle breaks, right? Almost to the the point where that trigger, it was like a surprise it went off. Yeah, It's a surprise. Well, when it's a surprise your mind doesn't know when to link the pre-ignition movements because it doesn't know when it's going to go off. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the surprise break is what you are chasing. But if you're chasing it just by trying to do it, that doesn't happen. There's all kinds of other avenues that you need to pursue in determination, in making decisions during your shot, in talking yourself through a movement that causes an explosion. So that's what we do at Shot IQ. The signature test just shows you those the, the differences in those control systems, but it also shows you where your determination lies and how much is required to actually reach a point of concentration. And so it's it's pretty cool. It's like I said, fascinating stuff and it is literally life changing. I mean people Super have been fascinating, yeah. People have been pursuing this information since we started shooting stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when that big old bull elk is working in on you and your heart is racing and you get this adrenaline dump and all those things, 
How are you going to control yourself if you don't know exactly how you're going to control your shot? You have already handed that shot to autopilot. And those are the horror stories that we hear every year. Oh, my God, he was at 10 yards. And I don't know what happened. Yeah, I've been one of those guys, man. Sure, I have, too. (laughs) It took me 13 years to kill a bull elk with my bow. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I would literally black out at the shot. And that's 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 a great point, Joel. Like, I I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's two kind of shooters. And Mm -hmm. one of them is what I've been most of my life. Is when I take a shot, whether I'm using a bull or a, or a bull, what I, I a bow or a mm-hmm. rifle. I get so excited, mm-hmm. I, I get caught yeah. up here. Um, <laughs> so there's two types of shooters. Like when the shot is done, whether mm-hmm. you hit that animal or that animal you completely missed, or you're following a blood trail. Mm-hmm. The two the two separators in my mind are the person that remembers exactly where he put that arrow or the bullet. And mm-hmm. the person that, that it's kind of like this foggy thing where you don't even know where the pin was, right? Right. And I've, yep. I've been that. And and sometimes that, that has worked out, but it's pure luck. I want to be the guy that I know exactly where I put that pin when I release right. that arrow. And I yep. feel like that's what Shot IQ has, has like, I, I've, I've all, and I've been saying since I started the podcast, uh, my weak spot, and, and I feel like every hunter needs to identify this. In, in my hunting game, specifically archery elk, my biggest weak step, my biggest weak spot has been my shot placement and my my shot panic, the target panic that you talk about. Because uh, sure. I do, man, I get I get super excited. My daughters are way calmer than me. I take them out. Uh, I took them out. They they got their first deer last year. Both of them got mm-hmm. a little buck, and mm-hmm. they were dude, they were smooth as ice. I, I mean. <laughs> Like I'm sitting next to him and I'm so excited I could barely see straight. And so right. I, I I think that that's where Shot IQ is going to be a, a totally or a total game changer for me because yeah. that's that's where I've struggled a lot. So yeah, you you learn how to control your mind before the shot, mm-hmm. during the shot, and after the shot. It's you know talking yourself through the trigger movement is huge, but that never happens by accident. You have to make a decision to say something, right? It's just, you know, for your listeners, one thing, if you don't, you know, even if you're a trigger puncher at this point, you have to at least aim where you need to aim and it must mean nothing to you, right? You draw back and aim, get it done. And then you simply watch it to keep it. Enjoy the show, watch the dance because you have no physical control over the pin. It is completely governed by visual proprioception through your eyes but once the aim is complete then and only then do you even put your finger on the trigger or your thumb on the button or roll your hinge to a click or whatever it may be you do not blend aiming and shot activation you have to separate those and the big separator if you if they don't do anything else you have to literally Prepare your mind to jump off a cliff. What verbiage would you use? What decision would you have to make when your little toesies are hanging over the edge of the cliff? What would get you to jump off the cliff? Right? For most people, it's here I go. Here I go is a very common verbiage that people use to jump off a cliff into water. Because 
if you've got your toes hanging over the edge and you're thinking, I don't know if that water's deep enough, <laughs> you will never move at that point, right? You'll never move at that point. Mm -hmm. So to get yourself to move and remember all the things you need to do to talk yourself through that trigger, here I go, is said after the aim is complete and after you address the trigger. Then here you go, and then you talk yourself through the movement. Yes. And, man, I just – I can't express enough to how – like we could talk about this through on this podcast all day long until we're blue in the teeth. Right. Um, but you have to see the visual of what Joel's talking – I'm talking to the listeners. You, you really need to see the visual, whether it's in a um, – on the course, online course, or whether you attend one of the seminars, which, by the way, I was really trying to get you to come up uh, and do a seminar in North Idaho. Are you up for right. like next summer if we – we need to start planning like earlier. Yeah, we need to plan it like right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I, 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 again, my, my summer went from zero to sixty. We got uh, managed to get Dirk up here for a uh, for a cool elk seminar that we did, and it was cool. awesome. But um, it'd be kind of cool even if we combine them. Uh, but yeah. anyway, that that aside is the the visual that you present when you're when you're talking about this in the courses. And like I, I, I'd be nervous as hell with the way you just kind of you stare at the shooter. <laughs> you know, the, what a distraction! And I feel like if if somebody did that in person, like at an actual seminar, and had those piercing eyes of yours right right next to him, I feel like that that would reduce the pressure that is involved when a bull elk is screaming in front of you. And and because that's a big thing, and I I think a lot of people don't admit. The target panic thing. I think a lot of people uh, that there's there's a lot of ego involved, and they t they talk sure. about you know they, that doesn't happen to them or whatever. Um, right. And and I think that if people just open their minds to the possibility of that being an issue, uh, it could save a lot of shots. It could it, it could oh. it could notch a lot of tags. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they when somebody comes to me or I go to them for a clinic, the first thing they do is shoot in front of everybody. Because that's one of the biggest fears of human beings is yep. performing in front of others, in front of their peers. And why is that? Is it is it just an ego thing, or like why is that? Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> it's a bit amusing for me because I just stand there and you know, <laughs> I'll chip away at them a little bit, but I am literally destroying their process because they're thinking about me, they're thinking about the people that are watching them. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to miss. Those are all the things that they have to learn to clean up. And mm. so in the first in the first 10 minutes of the seminar, they're shooting in front of people and, you know, they'll punch the trigger, whatever. And that's cool. And but a little bit later, it's the same scenario. They're still shooting in front of everybody. They're shooting with me. Now I'm tapping them on the head with an arrow. I'm pushing their bow like Jesus sure is windy in here. Right. I will. <laughs> push their bow and just to create distraction and after the clinic they now use the distraction to make their determination higher and therefore their concentration stronger right so at the beginning very easy to destroy them at the end they're using everything i do to make them stronger so when that bull elk is coming in screaming his brains out you're like yeah i got this right mm -hmm. and you're no longer a mystery how exactly how you're going to shoot this shot man that's a great way to put it the mystery because that that's exactly what happens a lot. I, i've mm -hmm. been so guilty of that where you do sure. i've got this 
the screaming bull come coming in and and there's like this mystery as to how this is going to play out like mm-hmm. as i'm aiming it's like am i actually going to hit this thing and am i actually going to hit it in the right spot is, is this going to be a lethal shot have i done mm-hmm. my due diligence to be as lethal as i possibly can for that uh-huh. animal's sake you know um i i'm curious like where how how big has shot iq grown and like where where are you hoping to take it well, I mean, it's it's grown to the point where I'm doing <laughs> many, many clinics per month. I've been traveling all over the country since I retired, mm-hmm. and I've been doing about three clinics a month. And I actually, well, 2023 is starting to get booked up now, too, so we need to get something on the books. But yeah, we need to, man. I, just, I mean, I want it to get as big as it can be until the world is in control of their shot. It drives me insane. <laughs> to go to an archery range and watch people that are truly, truly trying to do good. But that's the problem is they're only trying. Trying is never strong enough to actually override your central nervous system. You are literally having to override your central nervous system. So trying, nah, that ain't going to cut it. You have to learn how to do. And yeah. and be a no matter what thing. So, I mean it's like I'm on a life quest to get people in control because I don't want people to spend 13 years trying to kill a bull elk. Yeah. yeah I mean, I want that's, to go. I always, I, I've talked about this in the past is cause I don't want to be there either, man. And, uh, like I always worry about some of the, the specifically the dudes, the younger dudes out there in their twenties, mm-hmm. like take, yeah. take a course like this guys, because, right. I know that when you're in your early 20s, you're full of piss and vinegar and all this, you know, <laughs> you just think you got it down and you're really good. And, and, and there's a re- just remember, you got to you got to learn a, a real good, mature discipline is to take that ego out of it and learn mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, right. Do you are you are you doing like uh, going to like police departments or, or military personnel and, and applying the training to those guys yet? Or is that somewhere you're, you're looking to go or? Uh, I, I have done that a lot in the past. I mean, I used to be the lead firearms instructor for Washington state. So every police officer would come through me mm-hmm. for fire training. And that's where I really dove into all these sciences that, that we now know is shot IQ and control process shooting, but, um, not so much anymore, just, just because of time. I mean, I do still, uh, train with the SWAT team and, uh, and I just found out last week that Washington State's going to be basing their new curriculum on, on my stuff. So that's pretty cool. That's way cool. Yeah. Wonder, so you should get the contract to to train new Marines how to shoot, man. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be I, way I would. Cool. I would love it. I would love it. So I'm. That stuff is in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, shot IQ is growing like crazy, and and you know it really means a lot in the police and, and military world because we're literally saving lives with this. So. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so, yeah. but we're talking hunting now and yeah. I, I want to like kind of transition it to a, to a, from a way, I guess when you're talking about, um, the, the shot IQ kind of that, what did you just use? The word you just used, uh, the shot placement. No, it's, it's not shot placement. Control process. Control, control process shooting. That's the term. Right. So yeah. control process shooting. I, I'm curious like how you can explain like the the think about most bow hunters out there and when they're on like a 3d range and they do really well 
or yeah. they're they're in their backyard shooting a, a block target or or whatever. Like I I am the king of killing my block target. Sure. But, but when I translate that into the field, there's a lot of different variations and and ways that that could change and affect your shooting and and the controlled shooting process. So can you kind of help explain or describe? When you're having a controlled shot plot a process in place, it, w- once you've like built your mind, I think I can't remember the term term you use, but once you've uh, developed this in your mind so that it's like this, uh, you know, second nature habit, mm-hmm. and you go into the field, ex- can you kind of explain the psychology of what the adrenaline and everything else that takes place in the field versus what happens just in your backyard on a block target or a 3D archery range thing? Does that make sense? Oh yeah, so. The thing is, is that you can never let your shot become a habit. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Because you are literally overriding your own central nervous system when you control a trigger. That will never happen without a conscious decision being made. You will never just find yourself in control of your shot. You can never let that become automatic because if it becomes automatic, then it is put in the subconscious and the subconscious is not interested in accuracy. It is interested in efficiency. So it starts to blend the aim and the trigger work together. And then it knows that being in the center equals an explosion. So that's where people get locked off the target with their pin. It won't even let them get their pin to the target. And then They'll jump to the target and punch the trigger. That's that's target panic in, in one of its purest forms. But let's talk about the blueprinting and why people are so good in their backyard but not in the field. Mm-hmm. So what happens there is they shoot in the backyard and they punch the trigger just a little bit, right? And mm-hmm. it's good. It's okay, right? They're, they have this, this uh, level of accuracy that they are, they're content with. But the problem is when you get adrenaline in your system, that process now becomes completely subconscious and given to autopilot and it becomes faster and you start to shoot these critters the instant your pin gets on the target. Well, all that leads to a very big problem of open loop control systems on the trigger. If you go open loop, there will be pre-ignition movements linked to the trigger motor program. That's not my opinion. That's just the science of how we work. Those are some big words. I'm going to have to look some of that up. Right. So what you need (laughs) to do then is in the backyard, when you are shooting good, you need to blueprint it. And the blueprint has four specific questions. Number one, what was I thinking after here I go? And I'm going to give you the shot process here in just a second. But question number one, what was I thinking after here I go? Question number two, what was I saying after here I go? Question number three, could I have stopped it? Was I so keenly concentrated on the shot activation movement, whatever that is for your release aid, could I have stopped it anywhere within it? If you can say yes to that, that means that you were in what's called a closed-loop control system. And finally, the fourth question is what decisions did I make to get myself in the process for this one shot so the shot sequence right most people can't explain their shot sequence when because that's one of the first things i ask them to explain and most people have a hard time doing that and what i'm looking for is i'm looking for just steps what are your steps 
after you get to full draw. And so the shot that I have people build is very simple. It has four basic components to it. First one is draw back and aim. Get it done, right? No slow movement to target. Don't be dropping your pin in from the top or bringing it in from the bottom. If you know it's 30 yards, you got a 30-yard pin, draw back and put the 30-yard pin in the middle. And then simply enjoy the show, right? So job number one, draw back and aim. Then after your aim is complete, you address the trigger. You can, get can your I, can I go ahead. stop on the, on the first step? Sorry guys, um, draw back and aim. Are are you kind of in a, in a very? I always try to look at things in like a very layman's terms because uh, I'm I'm not super smart anyway. So uh, draw back and aim, get it done, and watch the show. What what you're talking about? Are you are you basically like taking? Are you trying to say to take the drama out of the draw? Like you know how you can get real dramatic with your draw and, and just well, like just get there. Is that what you're saying? Because I I've done that. I've done that. No, I, I'm not saying you need to speed up your draw or anything like that. What I'm saying is getting your draw done and getting your good anchor point, that's all part of job number one. That's all part of drawback and aim. Get it done, right? And when I say get it done, I mean get the aim done quickly. Don't be lingering in the aiming room. Just stick the damn pin in the middle. And it should feel exactly like it does when you know you're not going to shoot your bow. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. When you drop back and you aim and you know you're not going to shoot it, oh, you're just a rock star on that thing, right? You're so super solid. You can aim anywhere you want for as long as you want because no explosion is going to happen. That's exactly how every shot should feel because you haven't even put your finger on the trigger yet. Right? Yeah, so yeah. just draw back and aim, get it done and watch it to keep it. Then you address the trigger, right? For whatever type of release you're shooting. Or if you're shooting a stick bow, this is when you are starting to engage some more back muscles, right? So you address the trigger and then you make a decision. Here I go. Because that decision will increase your presence. And then once you are present enough, then and only then can you concentrate on the trigger. And to do that, you have to talk yourself through it. So the shot has four components. You draw back and aim. Then you address the trigger. Then it's here I go. Then you talk. Right? So, so yep, yep, I'm following along. Once you do that, you shoot that shot. It's very easy to blueprint. What were you thinking about after here I go? Well, I was thinking about working my trigger. What were you saying after here I go? Whatever your phrase or words are or a hum, whatever you use to give your movement rhythm and timing and to direct and trap that concentration. Could I have stopped it? Hell yes, I could have stopped it anywhere within it, right? Yeah. And then finally, what decisions did I make? Well, before I ever drew my bow back, I said, I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what. It's what we call the original decision because now you're present enough to draw your bow with knowledge and purpose. It's no longer a mystery. You don't draw your bow back and go, hmm, I wonder how this one's going to go, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You draw yeah. your bow knowing exactly that you're going to draw back and aim first, and then you're going to address the trigger, and then you're going to say, here I go, and then you're going to talk yourself through the trigger work. So it's it demystifies completely this shot. And then when you do that in the backyard, then you take that to the 3D range. Then you shoot with people that you don't know. Then you shoot with distractions. You shoot on one foot. 
You take all your stabilizers off your bow. You go out and shoot in the wind. You do all these things to make your determination and your concentration stronger and your decision-making stronger because those are the true skills that you're trying to get to. And then you take that to the elk woods, and you know when that bull turns broadside, you're not going to draw your bow back. You're going to go no matter what. Then you're going to draw your bow back, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you – completely demystify how you're going to do it. And I cannot describe how powerful it is to know exactly how you're going to shoot every shot for the rest of your life. No, I can't describe it either, Joel. I mean, it is, it is something that you have to experience it through the course. You have to experience it through the course. Like it is, it is literally, I've said this about a lot of things, uh, you know, when it comes to, to hunting, whether it's elk or, or bear or whatever, there are things that are just absolute Mm-hmm. irrefutable game changers and like yeah. this shot iq is an absolute game changer especially for guys like me if you're anything like me you're always looking for ways to improve your elk hunting skills for september and one of my favorite ways is the elk collective it's an absolute game changer in self-education This virtual elk hunting course has over 150 videos that cover everything from elk calling, strategy, tips, setup, gear, much, much more. There's a bunch of people involved. Some of the best elk hunters in the woods are involved with the Elk Collective, and they've come together to put together this virtual course to help you notch more tags in September. So check it out at theelkcollective.com. And use promo code, all one word, the Western Huntsman, for 20 bucks off the entire course. That makes the course only $69. It's a great deal. And I promise if you go through this course, you will go into the elk woods with a lot more confidence and a much better chance at notching a tag on the mighty Wap. Hoffman Boots is the boot choice of the western huntsman podcast and it has been for a very long time i love my hoffman in the explorers in the six inch or the eight inch Uh, they have all sorts of options for you to check out hoffman boots is my go-to boot because i am a firm believer that when it comes to gear the one piece of gear you don't want to skip on is boots get really good boots and if you choose to do some hoffman boots you're going to find out why i highly recommend these hunting boots made by a multi-generational family of shoemakers these boots are made right here in north idaho and i've got an excellent deal for you if you choose to go with hoffman boots use promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 for 10 percent off get you some of these boots and find out why i love them Uh, They're totally waterproof. They're going to give you great traction on the mountain. They're super comfortable. There's very little break-in period. Can't recommend hopping boots enough. Check it out, guys. Next on the list is Scree Gear. High-octane hunting attire without breaking the bank. You want to go into the field with good camo, right? You You want camo that works, that'll keep you dry, that'll keep you comfortable. You want layering systems, the merino wool, the rain gear, all the things that make hunting a little bit easier and allows you to stay in the field a lot longer. The problem with most of it is it's super expensive, not with Scree Gear. Scree Gear will give you all the high-end technical gear that you want without having to take out a second mortgage, and that's why I like it. And to make it even better, got a promo code, the Western Huntsman, all one word, and that will give you 15% off and free shipping. It's a heck of a deal, guys. I recommend checking out like their bundle packages. They have like the elk bundle or the whitetail bundle or the turkey bundle. 
All those bundles come with multiple pieces of gear, and you won't regret getting this gear. It's great stuff. Check out Scree at ScreeGear.com. Oh, and you want to call in an elk? Use Phelps Game Calls. I've been using Phelps Game Calls since uh, just about the beginning of Phelps Game Calls. It's a great company story, too. This company started in a little garage and is now one of the premier call companies on uh, within the industry. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with Phelps Game Calls, whether it's turkey calls, predator calls, waterfowl, or especially I think the bread and butter is the elk calls. And I, I use the Maverick. I use the Pink. I use the Gray Amp. Uh, check out the AMP series. If you're new to calling, I recommend getting a couple of different ones and trying them out. Find out which one works best for you. But uh, I promise you I'm not steering you wrong when it comes to Phelps Game Calls. It's a great company full of great people that make excellent products that actually work. And the proof is in the pudding. Call in a lot of elk, and you will too if you trust me, by going to phelpsgamecalls.com. I gotta, obviously, i got a promo code for you, right? Huntsman 10. Huntsman 10 for 10% off your Phelps Game Calls and check them out. Phelps Game Calls. Get them close. Two last items. Check out the Reveal Cell Cams from Tacticam. Whether it is for hunting or security, these are excellent cell cams that I have all over my property. To include, I, uh, I put them on some job sites for some security so people I know if, uh, if they're stealing materials or whatever, I'm going to catch them. Uh, and another little promo code I like to throw out there is for Batum907 for anybody that is hunting bears spring or fall and you are allowed to bait. Don't forget to go to Batum907.com. Since made in Alaska, use promo code Huntsman10 for 10% off. The stuff works, and it works well. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. You know, for, for guys like me, I, I, I think that I fired so many rounds when I was in the military that mm-hmm. it, it killed my love mm-hmm. for shooting as a hobby. Does that make sense? So, oh, absolutely. So I'm not I'm not like a hobbyist. I, I don't I don't go join winter shooting leagues. I don't I don't do and, and I I think it's great when people do. So don't anybody take me wrong. I you know, I, I say the damnedest things sometimes, Joel, and I'll get hate mail. So <laughs> I always try to clarify things. But so it's it's not that uh, I've considered mm-hmm. doing it, but but it's just not a huge interest to me to be a, mm-hmm. a, a hobbyist shooter. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just want to be as lethal as I possibly can when I go into the field because I owe it to that animal. And shot yep. IQ is is it was, you know how like turkeys were made to be shot in the face and jackrabbits yeah. were made to be shot with a 3030. Um, yeah. <laughs> shot IQ was made for guys like me. Shot <laughs> IQ was made for guys like me. So, um, and I guess before we go too far down that that hole, tell everybody where they could find Shot IQ and what's coming up. It's uh, shotiq.com, and that's the website where you can get uh, get the online courses. We've got the archery course. We've got a precision pistol course, and soon we'll have a rifle course. Uh, that'll be dropped in the next couple weeks here, so that'll be fun. Yeah. And it, it's all about the science of the mind and how it works, and it's very simple. It's all broken down into very simple steps. I've never had anyone not gain control of their shot. And it if you're out there thinking, well, he's never seen me before, trust me, I've seen it. I've done it. I used to have to hold five feet over a target and dump my bow and punch the trigger at the same time. Trust me, folks, I've been there. I've walked in your shoes, and that's why I can speak intelligently mm-hmm. about all this stuff because it's, it's, it's no longer a mystery. And I did not truly demystify this thing until 2014. Yeah, yeah, I remember you were talking about that, and 
you know, to, to anybody that's out there that's that does say that, well, you know, he hasn't seen me shoot. I promise you <laughs> that if you take the, the the course, a you're not going to be as bad as I used to be. And <laughs> well, I, I mean, maybe you are, maybe you are. I don't know, but I was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I've made some. I, I'm glad I didn't film hunts like ten years ago. Um, yeah. The uh, the other side to that is is if if you're currently out there and you're you maybe you are somebody who is like me who is not maybe maybe you're not an archery enthusiast or a shooting enthusiast, uh, but you just want to be as lethal as you can. But you're somebody who has you know a full time job and you've got your kids and you're not one of those people that can go out and shoot your bow every day and and uh, because a, a lot of that is just easier said than done. This course was made for you because it you will come out of it a much better shooter just by right. going through the course and utilizing the course as, mm-hmm. as is apical, like in person, like, like film yourself shooting your bow. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, I don't want to give too many things away from that, from the course itself. So anyways, sure. let's transition this to how it applies to elk because the, yeah. so, so you are, what, what we've talked about is we've established that in terms of credibility, you've got it when it comes to shooting. Mm-hmm. What people might not also know is you're one <laughs> hell of an elk hunter, <laughs> and and that's where I want this conversation to go because uh, you you've got some really interesting takes on mm-hmm. whether we're talking about calling sequences or uh, you know you, you have I, I like the phrasing that you use like we were talking before we recorded and I said you know I want to talk about that thing where where you you bugle and then you kind of rotate your body so you right. can hear in every crevice of the mountain kind of thing and you said oh receiving the call receiving back yeah. the, the response or whatever right. I love the phrasing right. because it simplifies it and sure. and it makes people it's easy to understand right. so um, let's transition to you like talking elk right I do. I love talking elk. I kind of figure. I kind of figure. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, first off, where are you going? Where are you elk hunting this year? Are you are you staying in Washington? Or are you going elsewhere somewhere? Washington and Montana this year. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I know. I probably know about where you're going in, in uh, Montana. So in fact, I was just out there. We can talk about it later because we don't want to say spots on the. Okay. On the show. <laughs> um, gotcha. Elk hunting, man. Uh, you are again. Wildly successful elk hunter, uh, you, you've got a lot of experience with this, and you, I, I didn't know a lot of this stuff when we talked last year, uh, mm-hmm. but I, since I watched you, you know, specifically on the Elk Collective and and other videos you put out there, um, I want to talk about more than just the generic stuff that we sometimes get stuck talking about on on these episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Let's, can you walk us through? Everybody has like a baseline philosophy when it comes to calling elk. We're going to talk calling elk specifically. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a baseline philosophy. Um, you know, like some people say elk have a language and you do it this way to get that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, response. Uh, other others say that they just it's more of an emotion thing. And I have my opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of give us your baseline philosophy when it comes to calling in a bull elk specifically. So I did not learn how to call elk by watching elk. I learned how to call elk in by watching drunk human beings in bar fight scenarios. That's right. We've talked about this before. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going yeah. with that. So, I mean, as a cop, I got to watch bar fights all the time and, you know, <laughs> some entertaining, <laughs> some not so, but they had a very common theme to them. 
to where when two dudes were fighting, it was almost always over a woman. And so when you apply that, that's just mammal biology. I mean, human beings that are drunk are no, no different than, than bull elk. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have inhibitions are gone. Elk don't have societal limits. Uh, you know, so it's, it's very similar. A bar scene is very similar to the elk woods. And once I realized that, I completely changed how I call. And I base it in this, it's just basic mammal biology. Like I always give the example of if you were, if you and I, Jim, were standing at the doorway of the bar and I told you, Jim, you've got 30 seconds to go in there, get punched by another male. You cannot use your hands. You can only use your words. What's your 100% odd strategy? And, mm-hmm. you know, many people say, well, I'd go pick pick a dude and I'd yell at him or spit in his face or whatever it may be. No matter what you do to that male, it depends on his attitude at that moment, whether he's going to fight you or not. So sometimes in the elk woods, you find a bull that is of the right attitude and you can challenge bugle to that bull. And that bull comes raging on in there and you're thinking, God, I'm the greatest elk caller in the world, right? <laughs> and you kill this bull. But then next year, ah, they, they didn't quite act the same. And then maybe the next year, maybe you find another one. You get lucky with that. Okay, cool. But it's very low odds when you're talking to the male. So if you want 100% odds of getting in a fight, which is essentially what we're trying to do when we're calling in bull elk, you have to talk to his female. Because if you talk to his female or females, he has no option but to remove you from the bar physically Mm -hmm. right so we now know what those sounds are i mean there's people out there that are way smarter than me in vocalizations but i'm smart enough to know that bulls don't chuckle to cows yeah when bulls talk to cows they bugle it's usually short it's usually fairly raspy and they do not chuckle So if you go into the bar and you bugle with a chuckle, you're talking to the male. Now you're dealing with attitude. If you go into the bar and you bugle with no chuckle, you are talking to the females. And therefore, there's no option but to remove you from the bar. So, I mean, I call it the bull calling cows bugle. Other people call it a herding bugle. Some people call it an advertising bugle. I don't care what you call it. It's a short, raspy bugle with no chuckles. That is how I call in most of the bull elk that I deal with. So is that is that what you would refer to as maybe like a locating bugle? No, no. Okay. Loca- locating is different. So you've already located a bull when you're talking about this. Right. So this is a where I've located a bull. If it's before light, I will do a location bugle. And right. What does that Lo- sound like? Can you can you give us one of those? Yeah, let me see what. Let me get my call out here. Stand by. Because I, I think that's that's a we have to know. I, I'm trying to figure out how to get people to the point where they're in the woods and they're they're able to find elk, and then we'll talk to the the next step. Right. 
I mean, we we've all we've always covered this stuff on this program. You know, how to locate elk. You, you know, you you've got to look for the right areas in, in which they're feeding, where they're where they're bedding, where their tra- their travel corridors. You know, what kind of sign is in the area? Are there rubs? Is there is there fresh droppings? Is there you know all these things to to locate the areas where you think will where elk will be? And kind of like what you were talking about with your shooting process. There right. is a process to find a bugling elk. And first, right. all, first off, you've got to find an area where there's fresh sign. And at that point, that's usually where I will start doing what I call locator bugles. And and so I, n- now we're is that is there? Did I miss anything there? No, that's correct. But in a location bugle, you have to listen to bulls do their location bugles. It's not after daylight. They don't do location bugles after daylight. Because after daylight, they're moving to their bedding areas. They're doing roundup bugles. They're they're following the cows up. They think they're herding the cows, but the cows are, the cows are just simply going to bed. The bulls are following them. Mm-hmm. The bulls are not pushing these cows. No. There's a there's a lead cow. She doesn't give up her her status during the rut, right? So she's just going to bed, and the bulls following her, and he thinks he's he's trying to chase these ladies around, right? Yep. So he'll do bugles, but bef- and the dark bulls will locate each other to warn each other to stay away right because when two herds come together in the dark it's not a good thing okay so a location bugle is just simply high frequency not a lot of jazz to it sounds something like this Man, that it's picked a, up. That picked up perfect on the mic too. I'm always nervous about that part. <laughs> it's it's a ringing frequency because when you have bulls that bugle at night, they hit the higher frequencies because that's the one that carries the farthest. Okay. Right. So yep. when you hear a bull bugle from two miles away, you only hear the ringing frequency. You don't hear all the other jazz that he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you pick up that ringing frequency. So I send that out there, right? And I'm, I'm usually doing this from a ridge top or whatever in the dark, usually very, very early in the morning when the woods are still quiet. No birds are tweeting. No people are out. So let's say I get a bull to bugle back to me. So a bull bugles back to me, and now I wait because it's dark. So I just wait. I may get closer to them. I may not. I try to stay within about 500 yards of the herd. And so now I'm listening. I'm listening to this bull because does this bull have cows or not? And so if I'm hearing cow sounds, obviously he's got cows. If I'm hearing tending bugles and glunking, obviously he's got cows. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Does he have cows or not? If he's bugling from the same place over and over, he's got cows. So now I already have my strategy picked out because now it's just the bar scene. So now I've got a bull with cows. And so as soon as it starts to get daylight, he's going to start moving. And you're going to hear roundup bugles, which are fairly fluty. Sounds like this. Usually a little shorter, but no chuckles. If he's talking to his cows, there won't be any chuckles on the end of it. So if you, he's talk- you, when you're doing that, when you're doing that roundup or, or responding or listening, well, actually, never mind. I want to go back to that question because it, it ties into something else. Was, I, I'm not doing that. The bull's doing that. I, I know. I know. That's that's what I was saying because um, I'm a chuckling fool, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, so. Odds, bro. I know. I know. And I remember you talking about this last year, and I remember thinking, man, I got to stop doing that if, if that's <laughs> if that's if that works. Uh, 
you know, it's just it's always been a thing. It's always been a habit of mine. And and you know, I've called in a lot of elk, uh, but I feel like this it's this makes a lot more sense what you're talking about because you're right. Bulls don't chuckle at their cows for the no. most part. I I mean. I think if they're really fired up, they're rounding up, they're pushing, they're trying to push the herd, maybe the cows aren't cooperating, sometimes they're going to chuckle a little bit, right? Uh, maybe a little bit, but if there's another bull around, they'll chuckle numerous times, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Or if, yep. You, if you go into a canyon and you haven't said anything, and a bull bugles in the bottom of that canyon with chuckles, what does that tell you? He's got he's got cows. No, it or tells you there's not bull there. Yeah, there's another bull there. There's um, another bull there, no matter what. There's another bull there. I want to – when you talked about you, – you do that little early morning, you know, pre-dawn locator or whatever kind of bugle right. you called that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you get a response yep. and there's no chuckles, meaning he's got cows and there's no other bulls. He might he might chuckle back to you in a – with a, a challenge or not a challenge bugle, but on a location bugle, you send one out. He might chuckle because he's talking to you. He's talking to another bull. Okay. I'm just see, see, see why I have to keep asking these dumb questions. Uh, I'll yeah. tell you a little secret, man. Somebody, somebody was like, how come, how come, um, how come you ask such dumb questions? And I said, you know, some people, <laughs> some people believe that there is no such thing as a dumb question. They're wrong. <laughs> there are such things as dumb questions, but I have no shame in asking them, and so that's why I do it. I'm curious when you, before we go back to exactly where we left those bulls that you were talking about, when you when you do that and you get a response, you determine there's no cows with that bull. Is that a bull you'll pursue, or are you purposely trying to go pursue the bulls that have cows due to the mentality that we're in a bar scene and you're going to pick a fight because it's easier to pick a fight if he's got females? I'll certainly pursue that bull. Uh, that doesn't have cows. It's just a different strategy that okay. we'll we'll get get to that in just a second. We'll go okay. We'll go back, circle back to that one. So let's go back so to what you were, were talking back, about. Bull with we're cows. Back, we're back to daylight now. The bull's starting yep. to move cows. You start to hear these roundup bugles, right? And he's moving. So now they know you know that they're working their way to their bedroom. So you can either stay beside them or you can fall in behind them. So, but you got to stay out of their, got to stay out of their wind. Obviously they're going to be moving with the wind in their face. So the thermals will be coming down. So they'll be moving up. Yep. So I usually just ghost them. I just, I don't say anything. I just ghost them. You'll hear every now and again, you will hear a roundup bugle. That's cool. Just stay with them. If you lose the herd, if you believe there are cows there, do not ever make a mature cow sound biologically that i mean just a regular old cow mew is almost the worst sound you could ever make in the woods because cows hate other cows Mm -hmm. they will not let their bull go play with the hussy in the bushes so as soon as you do a mature cow sound the, the bull might bugle back to you that's cool but he's Probably if he's got cows, he's probably not coming. And you just the the gig is up with those other cows because they get now they get suspicious, they get all crazy and stupid, and they pull their bull away from you. So if you do lose the herd and you feel that you need to make a female cat or a female sound of an elk, keep it on the calf spectrum. 
Okay. If you if you dive into the cow spectrum, you are killing your odds. Mm-hmm. Because a bull that would come into a cow would definitely come into a calf. They are pedophiles. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. don't, and there's a there's that the instinct factor again. Everybody wants to help an infant. Like I was doing fawn bleach today just to call in this doe, and she damn near came and stomped me into a mud hole. Right. I got it on video. It's pretty cool stuff. Wow. But, you know, they will everybody wants to help a calf. So the cows will mew back to you. The bull will try to call you in with the bull calling cows bugle. You just get responses. So now, OK, cool. Now we know where they're at. You don't need to say anymore. You now know where they are. And if they're still moving, cool, let them move. You just stay behind them. If you ever need to find them again, calf sequence like a lost calf sequence sequence would sound like this. as much emotion as you can put into that and keep it as high as you can get it mm-hmm. right so yep. you set yep. that lost calf sequence out and the whole shooting match is going to call back to you okay so now let's say that the bugle changes from this <laughs> to something like this you hear the rasp difference in that mm-hmm. but you're an emotional difference in the call that's basically what you're listening for when you hear the emotional difference in the call those elk have now reached their bedroom okay man you're that's, a good caller dude well thank you so okay so <laughs> it's uh they've now reached their bedroom and now is when you're gonna strike and what let's walk through that process. What do you mean by strike? So now I'm going to sweep up to the same contour beside them, right? I'm going to stay out of that thermal, whether it's going up or down now, I'm going to sweep to the side. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to st- get on the same contour that they're on, and then I'm going to come in from the side, and I'm only hunting cows at this point. I'm now searching for a cow. So I'm sliding in there. If I can visually see a cow, even better. If I just know that I'm close to them, maybe I hear the sticks breaking or whatever. I'm like, okay, now I'm close enough. I'm trying to get within 100 yards. When I get within that 100-yard mark, if I can get closer, I do. But if I can't, if it's risky, then I'll just hold up there, get my feet planted, get my arrow knocked, ready to go. Okay. And then I talk to his ladies in a very inappropriate manner. (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's when I'm going to do that bull calling cow's bugle. Like when his emotion changed and he started talking to his cows with that bull calling cow's bugle, that's what I will do now. So I'll get everything ready to go and then this. So just short, raspy, no chuckles. Get your release aid on. Get your feet set. Get ready to go because now he's coming to kick your butt out of the bar. So I'm 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 just repeating this to beat it into my own hand. No chuckles because you're talking no. to the cows. You're talking I'm to the cows. Never talking to him. And so if you did chuckle, would that tell the bull that? I don't know how to ask that. It just you is it switches now from attitude. It switches from instinct to so attitude. So you're basically it's always okay, lower. Okay, I think I got it. You are 
you're, if you chuckled, you would tell the bull that you're talking to the bull, which is not going to trigger uh, as pissed off of a reaction as yes. if you're just talking to his cow. Okay. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. That is how we work. That is how mammals work, right? Yep. So Yep. Totally. When you get ready to go, usually it's a one bugle deal. I mean, I've called in 48 herd bulls in the last seven years to that one sound. Jeez, man, I'm going to go hunting with you. Yeah, so it's just, it's when it, if it ever doesn't work, it's because I'm not close enough to his cows. Okay. That's the only reason that it, that it, it doesn't work, and that's very rare. I mean, I'm calling in most of if not all of the bulls that i'm dealing with so that has to be oh sorry i cut you off dude no it's it's that's the bull that's got cows and the cool thing about it is there's no hang-up spot the bull calling cows bugle does not include a hang-up spot because when you watch two males one male has a female with him in a parking lot one male on the other side of the parking lot is yelling to the female over there her husband is going to yell back at this other guy. He's going to bugle back to him, right? And he's going to sound tough. He's going to send out a challenge bugle. He's going to be chuckling his ass off, right? Yep. But once that male has had enough and starts marching across the parking lot, he does not stop halfway, turn around and look at his wife and ask her if he's making positive life choices, right? <laughs> he comes all the way <laughs> all the way across the parking lot. If the other guy runs away, he'll go all the way to where that man was standing and just puff up and be a tough guy. Mm -hmm. Elk do the exact same thing. And if there was a nice new shiny trash can in the middle of that parking lot, that male that starts marching across there is going to kick the trash can. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? He's going to display for his female, right? Same thing a bull does when he starts raking a tree halfway across there. So if he starts raking a tree, you simply talk to his female again, and now he has completely lost his mind, and he's coming to kill you. Okay. I, it is. I, like, I love this, man. So that's, that's the bull that's got cows. If a bull does not have cows. Yeah, you read my mind. And let, let's say that I'm slipping in on the, this bull that bugled to me. And maybe he did a bull calling cows bugle, and I'm slipping down like, man, I don't know where this bull's at now. So I send out a lost calf sequence, and he bugles back, and he has moved closer to me. I now assume that bull has no cows, or he has left his cows for this calf. So now you have to deal with hang-up spots, because this bull is now moving towards you. So wherever the bull can see your calling location, or from where you made the last call, that is now his hang-up spot. He's going to stop 100% of the time as soon as he can see the calling location. So you, before you make another peep, establish where the hang-up spots are for your location where you're standing. Make the calf sequence, and then you move smartly to the elk's side of the hang-up spot. And try not to break any big sticks. If you break a big stick between those two locations, there's now a new hang-up spot because there's a new calling location mm -hmm. because you broke a stick. So just reevaluate and move to this new spot. And when you get the bull marching to the hang-up spot, there is very little suspicion. If okay. you get it's to the hang-up spot and doesn't see what he needs to see, there's all kinds of suspicion that starts. Then he starts to wind arc you and do all kinds of stuff. 
So you shoot him before he ever even gets to the hang-up spot, and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, they're literally walking with their head down almost. Did you describe how to identify the hang-up spot? Yeah, it's just wherever that bull see you, wherever his eyes would be able to see your location. Okay, so so I just want to paint a picture. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's usually just like a slight bump in the earth or, you know, some contour feature or whatever. He's going to come over that and expect to see that calf standing there. Yeah. So you never even let him get to that point. And 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 you're exactly right, man. They do they they'll in that scenario when they're not fired up and pissed off, mm-hmm. they're walking with their head down. They're just yep. kind of they're just kind of uh, their guard is down. And so right. I just I, I'm kind of painting a picture there that where a scenario like this happened where I failed because I didn't go beyond the meet the hang up spot where right. I was I was in some pretty thick timber, mm-hmm. and he was coming in nicely to to like a lost calf lost lost mm-hmm. mew. Um, and there was this small meadow, think maybe half acre size break mm-hmm. in the timber. And I assumed he would just come, you know, traipsing right out in the middle of that. And I'd stick him where instead mm-hmm. he hung up where all I could see is his, his, uh, head, uh, yep. and, and his antlers there, you know, just right there through the pines. And yep. he never came any further because he couldn't satisfy what he was looking for. Um, yep. so in that case, I should have moved beyond that little meadow, that little opening, and, mm-hmm. and found a found a good shooting lane. Okay, just, just trying to about, paint, talk things think, through. Think about this, right? If you heard, if you're inside a building, and you hear a crying, there's no windows in this building, and you hear a crying baby outside, you're gonna work your way to the door, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna move. You're gonna move there fairly swiftly. And when you open that door, you're not just gonna go marching outside. You're gonna peek outside. And if you don't see that baby in the parking lot where you know it was. Your suspicion starts, right? It's the same thing in the elk woods. If you're trying to call them in with that type of sound where you're not dealing with, you know, you're not dealing with rage, then they're going to be very suspicious. So what somebody should do is call from outside, sneak into the building and shoot you while you're en route to the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. You're not looking for anything until you get to the door, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, that, so that's how you that's how you work this these angles. So, two very basic calls that people need to know: lost calf and a bull calling cow's bugle. Mm-hmm. I don't make bugles with chuckles. Now, do bulls get killed every year with bugles with chuckles? Absolutely, because there are dudes in the bar that would fight you if you yell at them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's you, you could go to any dude in the bar that has a female and fight that particular male. Any one of them. You know, it, what what's super interesting of of how you're describing all of that and and like as you're talking, I'm kind of looking back in my, you know, memory bank and I'm thinking like I I shot a bull uh that I that I dubbed Mr. Chuckles because all he did was chuckle. Right. But that's because I I was chuckling at him and he he was that's what he he was just Communicating the way I was communicating, or, or whatever. Right. Um, he was a lot less fired up yeah. than the bull I screwed up last year. I I, I screwed, meaning I, I screwed up. I, I didn't kill him because my um, my bow got hung up in the camera. My my little shoulder mounted camera. Oh, um, God, dude. I still, obviously, I'm still pissed at it because I talk about it almost every episode. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a big bull, man. Anyway. Um, 
it, interestingly, I did not chuckle at that bull. Yeah. Uh, he had cows. I knew he had cows. I knew where they were bedding. I, I basically kind of did what you described, where I I, I, I uh, located them before sunup. It was still dark, and I knew where they were going to bed. I didn't have to follow them, even just because I, I know the area well enough. I knew where they were going to bed, and I got mm-hmm. I got super close. I let out a bugle, um, real similar to the one you described and, and, and demonstrated. I didn't yep. do any chuckles, and that bull yep. came in hotter than a firecracker. With his cows mewing, they were mewing yep. in their bedding area at me. Yeah, because they were interested in you. Yeah, and that pissed him off, man. Um, they, so, they lose their mind. I mean, their eyes roll back in their head. It's they are completely enraged. That's yeah. why they all the way in, very close. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's exactly what happened. I mean, he that was part of my problem. Is this? I I actually got closer than I thought I was, and when I bugled, so that bull was on me within 20 seconds. Sure. Uh, and and I could have killed him, but I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you, dude. He's 20 feet just on the edge of some alder brush. Mm-hmm. String hung up in my tacticam on my oh, shoulder yeah. mount because the alder brush <laughs> had pushed it forward. Uh, mm. Great, perfect shot. But yeah, he, and and what was crazy is like you said, I normally would have chuckled and for some reason i didn't and he came in a lot hotter than than the bulls that i've chuckled at so anyway i'm just again i go through this stuff as we talk uh right. and and it just it it starts it's like it's like a big puzzle man you explain right. something and it's I, I could start putting that that puzzle together and these pieces together and things start making sense a lot more and that's why i do this show I, because hopefully mm-hmm. everybody listening they, they've got memories like that where they're able to put these puzzles together um mm-hmm. We did it kind of backwards. We should have talked about that stuff, and then moved into shot IQ because. <laughs> <laughs> but but now, but uh, everybody can can understand, for for folks listening, um, that you're not going to kill a bull without understanding how to locate and get one to come into you, right? Obviously, obviously we're talking about when we're calling elk. I'm not talking sure. about somebody sitting in a tree stand on a on a corridor that they're traveling through at 6 p.m. Right. every evening, whatever. So right. um, we're talking about calling an elk. Yep. You're also not going to kill a bull if you can't get a shot placed in the right, right. position, right? I mean, you've got you've got to hit him right. And yeah. so I feel like we covered both of those pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's way more simple than than people think. Uh, you know, I get to interview or talk with lots of the top callers in the world, mm-hmm. and I, I just ask them, you know, did you chuckle that time? Well, I can't remember. Well, you know, that means that they're, they're just throwing stuff out there and seeing what they bite on. And every time they do that, and if it's that thing that deals with attitude, they're killing their odds and they're mm-hmm. killing their odds. I was talking with a fellow the other day who's a very, very pronounced elk caller. And he told me that they call in like 30%. Of the bulls that they deal with, I'm like 30%. You got to be kidding me. I mean, that's I'm way over that. I mean, I'm I'm in the 90 type percentile. Stuff. Yeah, you're you're more than I am, man. I, I but I I would say I don't know 50 maybe 60% of if I know it's a bull and he's talking, I 50 yeah. 60% I can call him in. But like you, uh, and and like my Dirk, uh, the bugler, Dirk yeah. Durham. Um, yep. he, he calls in a high ratio, uh, yep. and there's, uh, there's a couple other dudes. I, I'd say Phelps calls in quite a few. Anyway, yep. the point is, is, uh, I'm 
as I put these pieces together through the years and I'm learning from people like you, that number's gone up because it used to be like 1%, right? And we're talking not very long ago. I mean, six, seven years ago, if I heard right. an elk bugle, there was like 1% probability I'd call that sucker in. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. no, super it, cool, man. Like, like last year in, in Colorado, we killed four bulls in two days. No kidding. Calf called every one of them in. I'll bet your back's hurt after that. Oh, you calf called them all in, huh? Just like chickens on a string because they didn't they didn't have cows. Wow. It was it was fairly early in the season. They didn't have cows, and they're all pedophiles, anyways. So <laughs> you say that I just watched a documentary on uh, Netflix about that Warren Jeffs guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> freaking polygamous. Uh, yeah. It's nuts, dude. You gotta watch it if you have. I, I don't even remember what it's called. It, it'll blow your mind. Nice. Um, but yeah, I just, I humanize the scenario. I humanize yeah. elk calling. Because we don't speak elk, but we've certainly seen what drunk people do, right? And it's just, you can learn so much from drunk people, <laughs> especially. Man, that's a great, that's a great bar- analogy on that. And if it wouldn't call in a drunk human being, it's not going to call in an elk. So. See, and I'm a Marine, man. I have a lot of experience with drunk people. <laughs> So, yeah. like, shit, th- this is really going to work out for me, I think. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic, man. Well, I um, I know I'm keeping you a little long here, man. Um, I, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on the show again. And like I said, yeah. you, you're one of the most requested return guests after we put out that episode last year. Um, I'm, I'm just – I'm really – you're one of those dudes that it's it's inspiring to follow you on like social media because you know I I watched you kind of start putting this shot IQ thing together and then you know next thing you know you're retiring from uh, the police department and, <laughs> and you've got this even I remember the announcement when you when you did that you put that video on where you're like doing your final sign off and the the dispatch answered back good luck with shot IQ or something like that yeah. and so it's like it, it, the whole community is aware of it. And so it's it's cool to see all that coming coming together and watching Shot IQ grow. Um, right. Just uh, just good great stuff, man. Super proud of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. That's uh, that's great. So what what? But we're gonna get you back on while we're still recording. Uh, I can get yeah. your commitment. We'll get you back on to talk about that rifle course. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't want to leave my uh, my rifle elk hunting peeps um, right. hanging. Also, I I need I need some. Uh, I I love rifle hunting. I and that's. Something I've been talking about lately is I, I I forgot how much I actually enjoy hunting with a rifle because it's a right. totally different element. But oh, it is, yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's just uh, I wouldn't know yeah. how to hunt elk with a rifle, but uh, hunting deer with a rifle, it's a ball, man. It's a yeah. hoot. So anyway, it, the the rifle course is, you know, I don't want people. It's called a precision long gun course, but I don't want people to think that it's a long distance rifle course. It's not. It is how how do I control my trigger work? at the moment of truth with any weapon system. I mean, on the course, I shoot an old 3040 Craig. I've got lever guns. I've got, a, I've got all kinds of stuff oh, on there. Oh, you've got some levers? Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's man. How to shoot in the, all these different positions and, you know, not on the bench, getting off the bench and, and being able to work with a whole pile of sight movement and how do you get that surprise break at your moment of truth? And, uh, once you do that, then you can apply that to whatever game you want to play, be it shooting a mile or shooting a hundred yards. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So 
course is about. It's about learning the science of your mind and the use of a rifle system within that science. No, that's great. I, I'm really looking forward to that. I know somebody else. I've had him on the show, Roger Hall. He's actually he's in law enforcement too. Yeah, um, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shot he shot a hell of a bear um, mm-hmm. this this last spring. So anyway, uh, I I'm really excited about that, and I know he would be too, and a lot of other people would would uh, love to go through that course. So we we're gonna have to jump back on and talk about it when it's live, man. Yep. Yeah, we'll do. So cool. Well, uh. Brother man, I know I know you're booking up for 2023, so let's yeah. let's maybe figure out some dates once we're done uh, tonight here. I'll get this episode out this week. Yeah, and, cool. Uh, and we'll go from there. Right on, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. That was a really good conversation. Uh, I know I got a lot out of it. So thanks again, and we'll we'll uh, talk soon. All right. Take care, sir. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain